Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm a feminist and I hate it when men are being creeps on buses, but I was on a bus last week and I sat behind a man and he smelled so good (laughs) that I missed four stops. (laughs) And I sat terrifyingly close to him. (laughs) Oh, just wanted to get something in my pocket. (laughs) A man would have to have therapy if he admitted that. I'm already in therapy, so... (laughs) (laughs) Take that, patriarchy. (laughs) It's fine. It's the patriarchy that put you in therapy. I preempted my sexism. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when Sophie and I were preparing backstage just now, I was looking in the mirror while she was talking to me about important things (laughs) under the harsh lights, and I was secretly comparing my face to hers and thinking her skin looked so young and beautiful and perfect. And for a second, I kind of hated her. (laughs) You're flirting with me. (laughs) It's my customer turn. (laughs) I'm a feminist, 
But someone tweets at me, jokingly saying that they only saw the new Ghostbusters because of Chris Hemsworth. And I was like, sexist! <laughs> But then I saw the movie. <laughs> and the second he showed up on screen, I went, oh, I get it. <laughs> I'm a feminist. But when I went to the Dirty Dancing Secret Cinema Immersion Experience, <laughs> I wanted to pretend I was Baby or Penny, but spent the whole night worrying that I looked more like the woman who pays Johnny to have sex <laughs> while her middle-aged husband plays poker <laughs> and then held on to a desperate hope that I could actually be the comedy sister. Because <laughs> that would be fine. She's a stand-up comedian in real life. That would be fine. I just don't want to look like Vivian. And that's a terrible thing. Vivian's a beautiful woman. I, I just... feel like I need to watch the film soon because you reference it. I mean, an alarming amount. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it's it's not good in terms of feminism, but it's great in terms of the guilty part of the guilty feminist. It's, uh... But you know what? She's very feisty. Another word we don't use about men. <laughs> A word reserved for women with ideas. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but my right to vote being allowed to inherit property and it being legal to get abortions are all on the list of all the liberties that I would agree to let go of if it meant that I would never have to be drafted for the army. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. More quiet than silence. Mm. It's like a vacuum. I think it's going to be a, a major walkout. Was that really that bad? Was that worse than all of Deborah's yadi yadi amakli stuff? Is that yeah, my, my, my yadi 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 whatly stuff? Amakli, blah blah blah, the thing you did before. Oh, I'm just trying to pull you down with me. No. <laughs> I didn't say really, you, you think, you, you, oh, you want to go to war? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm a feminist. <laughs> We're going to edit in laughs. Ha ha, joke's on you. <laughs> Tom, that was a good laughs. one. Did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> I'm a feminist. But recently, I was reading about the suffragettes and their hunger strikes, which they went on in order to get the vote. And I thought to myself, it's kind of ironic that the first big thing women did for feminism was a diet. <laughs> Which one did they do? <laughs> they did the Atkins. The Atkins, oh, sure. Atkins. Oh, my God. <laughs> Live from King's Place in London, this one today, the Chapel Sense, and this is the Feminist with Sophie Lincoln and Kevin Patrick's wife. Tonight's special guest, Karen Brennan, talking about the new bathroom. Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Well, I'm done now. <laughs> and somebody gave us biscuits. Who gave us biscuits? <gasps> Just you. Were they homemade? They're delicious. We've been devouring them in the dressing room. Really, really good. Sometimes people do bring us cakes and biscuits. <laughs> we call them super fans. And we become special friends with them. I mean, 
mean, we don't, but I'm willing to go there. <laughs> it is true. It is true. Someone came from Germany and brought us cake twice. She came from Germany. Yeah, she ha- she made cake in Germany, brought, brought it, it on a yeah. plane. We love her. I mean, you have something to live up to. Mm. <laughs> Any, what we're just saying is if anyone wants to bring cake. So, funnily enough, our theme tonight is being bossy. Yeah. I know. Bossy. It's a loaded word, isn't it? So, Sophie, mm-hmm. what was your challenge? Well, we did the apologizing episode ages ago where I had to not apologize for a week, which is really hard. And it changed something in the way I, you know, am in, in real life. But it didn't change that much that I didn't feel like I still had some of that left that I could deal with. And I decided to just start being assertive. Mm. And assertive is such a better word than what most people would call bitchy. So you were risking being bossy, basically, risking being yeah. seen as bossy. Yeah, because that's, that's the fear, isn't it? It's about taking space, and especially as a fat woman, you don't want to take up any space because you're afraid that people will... I'm generalizing, but for me, if you're too loud or if you're taking up too much space or if you're... I'm even afraid of bumping into people because I don't want them to become aware of how big I am. So that's the same in order of um, controlling my outbursts. And so I'm always very polite and trying to not create a scene. But then I thought that... Oh, I'm, I'm going to need to. I'm going to need to try and do that. And I went to a cafe. A horrible, horrible. Pl- food's fine. It's cheap food, so I go there. But they're so rude. And I've worked in the service industry myself, and I know you can have bad days, and they don't get paid enough, and all of those things. But I've been in there with friends who look a lot richer than I do, and they're being treated a lot better. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a class thing. Fuck you. <laughs> So I went in there and I decided I'm going to order. And they always tell me, my friend always gets her feta cheese exchange with mozzarella. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Because the last time I asked for that, they said they couldn't do it. And I thought, oh, maybe they've changed the rules. And I realized, no. So I decided to go in and demand mozzarella cheese (laughs) instead of feta cheese. And I marched in there and I was so ready to do this. And I tripped and fell. But still mastered to get back up <laughs> and just, you know, brush the dust off my legs and, you know, wipe the blood away and then uh, <laughs> and walk straight up to the counter and go, I would like uh, the salad, but can I have mozzarella instead of uh, feta? And she went, no, we can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. You did it last week and I know you can do it, so please do it again. And she said, oh, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to to ask my boss. And I said, okay, it's fine. Ask your boss. I'm pretty sure they'll tell you that you know it's doable and she went away and she came back and she was like okay we can do it mm-hmm. and I said thank you very much and then she said uh, do you want to wait here and I was, I was like ah oh, no I'm going to sit down and you're going to bring it to me thank you very much and she brought it to me and, uh, and it felt so good ah <laughs> oh, that feels so good doesn't it yeah. Ah. So you stood your ground in a place where you'd been treated poorly. Did you get more respect after that? Have you been in there again? No, I haven't or... been in there since, but I kind of kept it with me the rest of the week. And it's, you know, I was walking out from the cafe and down the street and I tried to do that thing of to keep walking in a straight line and, you know, not budge for anyone if they looked, you know, like one of those alpha types. And, you know, of course I would budge for other people that I felt were more like me. Uh, who were also kind of bit scared about being in public. But those like men in suits and stuff, I rammed right into them. <laughs> oh, just aiming for their noses. Just, oh, I hope you need 
surgery after this. You've... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw someone uh, was on Twitter, I think, was saying they were doing, uh, their sister was doing this, they just decided not to get out of anyone's way for a week, and mm-hmm. they bumped into, like, 200 men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> men are just like, they just... My, uh, <laughs> my psychologist gave me a trick, which was just not look at the people walking towards you, but look at something behind them, because people can sense what the person walking towards you will do. Mm. So if they can sense that you're going to go towards your goal or your target and you're not going to care about them, then they'll get out of your way, which works sometimes. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. Bossy. That's a word, isn't it? And it's a word, it turns out, that is used many, many, many more times in reference to girls than for the boys. There's a recent study that said there's something like 8,000 appearances of bossy boy on the internet versus half a million bossy girl. I mean, that can't be right, can it? Even someone's looking at me going, "There's not even that's not even possible. But I have a chart, and it says it's true. I'll get it out later. But we tend to refer to girls as bossy, and we don't tend to refer to boys as bossy. And Sheryl Sandberg, in fact, had that campaign, which is to ban bossy, because it's like so any time a girl shows leadership qualities, we call her bossy. And I think that's ultimately what it is. The word bossy means like a boss but not actually a boss. <laughs> you're boss E. I mean, you're telling people what to do, you're expressing your opinions in a forthright fashion, and yet you are not in possession of a penis. <laughs> which is our key indicator of who makes a boss. And there's no licensed penis, then you're not a boss. You're just boss E. You're acting like a boss, but none of us are really comfortable with being told what to do by you. And I noticed this a lot with politicians. I was actually in America recently, and I heard people uh, sitting next to me in a coffee shop talking about Hillary and going, yeah, the thing is, she's just not really likable. She's really, like, bossy. She knows a bossy. She's, like, I don't know, she's Secretary of State or whatever, but she's, like, telling everyone what to do. She's bossy. She comes across as bossy. She's not likable. Her husband, Bill Clinton, likable. The one with the sex scandals. Yeah, likable. <laughs> oh, a likable guy. He's so likable. Like, he doesn't come across as bossy. Like, whatever he told you to do, like, get on your knees. You just do it, right? <laughs> so likable. Then you would just follow that instruction, whereas Hillary's all... Make more jobs for America. Fuck off. Like, what? I don't, stop telling me what to do. Do I have to make these jobs? I don't think this is a great idea. I don't know. Why are you telling me things? I don't know. He's just a likable there with his penis. What a likable penis. <laughs> the penis is really the most likable thing about him. I think it's what makes him so likable. And all that time that he was, you know, doing all those other women, stopping those women. And, you know, she was just like standing by him and working on health care, I felt he was still likable throughout. His main thing was likability, and her main thing was, oh, no, not likable. And it's a little bit like Breaking Bad. Do you know the show Breaking Bad? Yeah, similar thing. Like, this thing about Walter White is he's so likable. Like, he's like... You know, he's not even a good guy. Like, he, you know, he, but he has good motives. He's good motives because he wants to help his family. But he's a bad, you know, he does bad things. You know, he's cooking crystal meth and he's selling it to some bad guys. But he's doing it in such a likable way. And then when his wife finds out, she's all like, oh, my God, you're bringing dangerous mobsters into my house who are going to threaten the lives of me and my children. She's so bossy. <laughs> not necessary. Do you know what I mean? Like, she acts like a boss, but, again, does not have the captain's joystick. 
Why is she doing that? I find her unlikable. I find her inherently unlikable. And in fact, I have sent her hate mail to that effect so that she realizes how unlikable she is. Like the actress, not the character. The actress who did not write the words, uh, who, who said the words that a man had told her to say, I still found her, the actress, so unlikable that I have tweeted her this morning to tell... She needs to know how unlikable she is. It's important that she knows. I mean, I think, I think she knew. I think other people had told her. I don't think I was the first. I don't even think I was the first this morning. <laughs> So do you want to hear about my challenge? I would love to hear about your challenge. So I write scripts. That's one of my jobs. And increasingly people are saying, you know, we want more female directors and you should direct your own scripts. And I've just always thought, that's so scary. Because if you write a script, you don't cost anyone anything. But as soon as you take that money away and go onto a film set, if you come back and you've spent the money and you do not have that story with enough camera angles in the can and it's not usable... The money's just gone. I don't know how anyone really has the guts to do it. There's a male friend of mine. He'd had an independent film made, but someone else had directed it. He said, yeah, it was good. It wasn't really what I wanted. The next time I'm going to direct. And I said, how do you know you'll make a good director? And he said, well, I just will. And it had not occurred to him to question that he should take that money. I just thought, what do you know about camera angles and stuff, though, in the technical side? He said, oh, well, you've got a DOP, and they know, and first AD, and if you've got those good people around you, and you just learn on the job. I mean, that sounds absolutely terrifying to me, that I would take, you know, a million pounds and possibly learn on the job, and possibly not. So I decided I was going to go on a directing course to find out if I could do it, and I worried I'd be too dithery. So I went on a two-day directing course, and we learned all about crossing the line and the different ways that you can put the camera, and we did all of that. And then the teacher chose a few people to direct a scene from a movie, and I got picked, because basically, because I put my hand up first, and I went, oh, oh, oh. And the actors I'd been given, I had, we had to have a little rehearsal where we, I told them what I sort of wanted, what I was going for. And I said to the chap, I'm going to switch the status. So the person asking the hitman, you're the hitman, and the person asking you is really nervous, even though they're the boss. They've never done this before, but you're a hitman. This is what you do every day. So I want you to be really high status. And I said, so I want you to hold your head really still. And he went, I don't want to do that. And I went... I went, oh. I said, well, it's just sort of my vision of the scene. I thought we'd give it a go. And he went, no. The other day when he was talking about acting, he was talking about some actors like always do something like they smoke a cigarette or they do a bit of business. I want to do that. And I said, okay, but if you're on a film set and the director asks you to play a scene in a certain way, really, you probably have to at least try it that way, don't you? And he went, you're not paying me. This is a course. I've paid to be here. And I want to do the acting I want to do. And I said, well, another thing that the teacher said was that we can all learn from each other. (laughs) And uh, so this is an opportunity for you to learn from me, isn't it? And he went, "Mm." anyway, so then we start. And I'd watched all the other directors. I was last and I watched everybody else do their set. And what the teacher had said is you've got to get it in the can. If you don't have something in the can... You cannot make it, you cannot put it, you can't edit it. So I thought, get it in the can, get it in the can. And my heart was beating, because it was timed. He said, right, you got, you had like a crazy small amount of minutes to do it. And I thought, I'm going to be dithery, I'm going to say to the cameraman, you know, oh, could you put it there, or oh, oh, what do you think? And it was weird. As soon as the clock went, I just became, not fascist, but... <laughs> <laughs> I went into the most high-status mode I've ever been in. I was right, right, silence on the set! 
action. And then they would do it. And this guy who'd been like really bullshit could not remember the fucking lines to save his life. So every time he would fluff a line, I would go, cut. Okay, we're going to go again. And I just became the most authoritarian I've ever been in my life. To the extent where one of my friends who was also on the course heard somebody else say, oh gosh, I'd be a bit scared to be on her set. <laughs> but I was the only director that got it in the can. I was the only one. And I have to say, I knew I was risking being seen as bossy. And I didn't mind at all because I thought there's money on the line here. I mean, there wasn't really in the class, but on a film set, there's money on the line. And obviously I would calm down and I would work with the actors in a more sensitive way. But I loved that that side of me came out, that really bossy side of me came out. It was almost like being in a trance state. It was amazing. I would definitely do it again. That sounds incredible. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Too much. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. guest tonight is a comedian, a writer, a journalist. Um, she's absolutely incredible. Please put your hands together and make general woohooing noises for Carrie Quinlan. <laughs> so, yeah. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Do you have an I'm a feminist butt, Carrie, you'd like to do? Mm. Yeah, go on. Uh, I don't know if I got it right, but um, uh, I'm a feminist... But I've got unusually large feet for a woman. Is that what size? Is that the sort of what sort of thing? That depends what size it is. Nine. Oh. Wow. What was that? I like that. I got a bit of a. Are you a size nine too? Yeah, size nine. Nine to ten ish. Oh. Oh. No one knows how to react. No one knows. A foot off. Whoa. I'm seven and a half, eight, so now I feel tiny. And yet, mm. under no, normal circumstances, I mean, you'd be Bigfoot in a d- group. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this should, I mean, can we, is it too late to change the topic of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've already done that. 
um, shoes. shoes. So to go Damn. and do feet. Feet. <laughs> it's right a different after. issue. It's so is though. It's We've so done, is. You've done apologies, and this is bossiness. And actually, the two of those merge much as a foot and a shoe. My <laughs> my least favourite story as a child was Cinderella because Cinderella had tiny petite feet, <laughs> and that's what made her desirable. And the ugly sisters had enormous feet that no tiny teensy child shoe could get on. And that's why they were rejected by the prince. That's, that's the basis of their ugliness. Yeah, yeah. and I do well, like a reboot where he finds like oh, a she, reboot. She, oh, she hates Pudding. It's hates an accidental it. pun, so it doesn't count. Oh, a reboot oh. does count. I'm so sorry. A reboot of Cinderella. We're going to edit that out. We're not editing that out. We're putting that out as a special extra. <laughs> Bossiness, mm. Carrie, have you ever been accused of being bossy? Yes, not in a very long time because I think it got kicked out of me. Really? Yeah, I think I with think a I boot. Am, with a boot. <laughs> with a reboot. Um, yeah, I think at primary school I was considered bossy. And I, maybe I am now and I've just chosen to ignore it. But it was so horrible being accused of that aged 10 that I think I've reacted against it in a way that women do. And it causes two things. You either don't say what you think or because you haven't had the practice over 30 years or however long you may have been alive, um, when you are assertive, it comes out much worse because you haven't had that practice of just this is normal and it's all pent up. And so when you do say what you think, it's like, and this! <gasps> in your faces! All right! <laughs> do you think that's why I became that sort of uber... It just spilled uh, out. And yeah. I sort of high stage director. Yeah. Because it's been it's, oppressed. It's been oppressed for so long. My inner boss has been oppressed for but so long. But you seem quite good at that whole boss thing. Not bossy, <laughs> but boss thing. Like, I you know, know the I projects do. you do and the talking you do, which, you know, the words that come out of your face. Um, but no, you know, you do presentations and you do, you, you've done um, stuff like Voices in Your Head and Bozos and stuff like that where you're... The boss. The boss? Yeah. No. Yeah. So it, it, I'm surprised that that's something that you feel... Oh, it's great, I'm now interviewing you. No, no, um, yeah. That no. you feel that that's something that you have repressed. Oh, completely, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, I do... The sorts of things men often do, so something like, well, Voices in Your Head or Bozos, it's is an impro show where I sit in the dark, like the voice of God, and I interview performers on stage and we create stories together. Yes, I'm in a very directorial role in that seat. So I can go into that space, but I can come off the stage and then be deeply you know, insecure with the improvisers afterwards going, was that all right, was that all right? Yes. I think I can go into that zone, but inside I would very much worry about someone not liking me or somebody being angry with me. It's, right. a, it's a real trigger. I think the people who are genuinely brilliant at being leaders just don't lie awake at night worrying about what other people think of them. Yeah, they don't think about it particularly. They don't. Do you know what? When Gordon Brown was leaving number 10. He said he thought he was still the right person to be running the country and didn't seem to notice that lots of people were very angry with him or thought his, that his time was up. Had five minutes earlier said, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I asked the psychiatrist, and I said, I said, that's extraordinary confidence. And he said, oh, well, that's because he's a sociopath. And I went, what? And he said, oh, yeah, all prime ministers and presidents usually are sociopaths. They have to be. Because they do not worry like a normal human being about other people's views on things, how other people feel about them, whether other people like them or think they're right. I, I might be remembering this wrong. 
I want to say 84% of all leaders that are sociopaths. Really? I read in there's a book, and I don't know what it's called in English, but my psychologist made me read a lot about sociopaths, not because I am one, <laughs> but I know some. Because <laughs> you're susceptible to their powers. I'm what? Susceptible to their powers. <laughs> sure, that's the word. And I totally know everything about what means. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah I'm, I'm, I was in my younger years, attracted to sociopaths as, like, a thing. And my psychologist thought, that was a bad idea. Uh, that's why she's, that's why I pay her, because uh, that's a really good call. Uh, <laughs> so I read all these books about and it's a high number, because they just have that cutthroat... It doesn't matter how other people feel yeah. about this, I'm doing what I want to do. Yeah. And that level of being the boss um, is so unusual. But I like to think that our best friends, Barack and Justin... Are not sociopaths. Of course not. I really of want to believe not. they're not. They're the sixteen percent. <laughs> I mean, it's got a path at the end, which makes it sound like a bad thing. But I kind of wish I was a sociopath based on that. <laughs> Do you? Well, it would be nice not to be so utterly crippled with self doubt twenty four hours a day, even when asleep. <laughs> Am I doing this right? Am I dreaming right? Is this how other people dream? Are people judging me for my dreams? <laughs> yeah, I do know what you mean. I think there's somewhere, though, between sociopath and crippled with self-doubt that's a, that's a special island place where you do worry about how other people feel. You want other people to feel good and you're interested in collaborating with other people. But you also feel your ideas are as good as theirs. One of the problems is my, my psychologist told me that when, if you're like what they would call a, a pleaser, do we know what that means? You know, one oh, of those. People just, pleaser, yeah. yeah, people pleaser. The problem is whenever people try and get out of that and become more assertive and more confident, because you've been that person for so long, your entire network of people will see you as the person that you are. So if you suddenly go, oh no, I'm not going to do 25 people's homework anymore. They're going to think you're a cunt. Right? Because they're like, what, you're not going to... Oh, fuck you, you, you were meant I, to do... I have suffered from that in past. When I started to change that, she told me, and that meant that when I then started saying no to people, I knew that that was coming, and I could go, okay, well, in a few months, they'll be used to the new personality trait of me not wanting to do their homework, and then they'll be fine, and that worked. But you have to get over that three-week or three-month or however long it's going to take period where you're just getting a lot of people hating you and thinking that they've done something wrong because all of a sudden you don't want to help them anymore. And that's, that's tricky, but once you get over that, you're oh, a director. See, I've never got boss. over that. You've I've never got to that point. Every time I do something like that, I'm, I don't actually hear what they say after that because my brain is just shouting, fuck, 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 what have you done? Fuck, oh God, oh God, run. <laughs> One thing that I find very interesting is that sometimes I coach men and women in business and men will say to me, right, I'm at this MD level and I want to be at partner level. So that's why I've got you as a coach, right? Okay. Right. So my boss's boss doesn't like me. So we have to fix that because that's an obstacle. And I've been given feedback that I'm not clubbable. I'm not, I don't have any gravitas. So I need to fix that. 
And it's all externals where the women will go, oh, uh, my boss wants me to go up for this next role and I just don't really don't think I'm ready. And she thinks I'm ready, but I'm not ready. And I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, if, she, if I did it, I would fail at it. And, and I just absolutely mustn't go up for it in case. And also, it'll upset my colleague because she should go up for it. And I, if she goes up for it, I don't want to go. And it's all internal. And that story is like almost 100% consistent. That the man will be sitting there opposite me going, my boss's boss doesn't like me, how do I change that? And I'm like, no, stop, back up. Your boss's boss doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> what, how are you just sitting there saying that calmly? Like, why, you know, why are you not sort of weeping? Like, why, not, like, why don't they like me? Why don't they like me? And they're like, oh, I would be fine for them not to like me, except that sort of pisses on my dreams. So I love that they, image of you as a coach going... He doesn't like you. <laughs> oh, no, I don't reveal that to Oh, my God. I don't reveal that to them, but I find it happens. Have you apologised? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to I apologise. No, I just find it Do you need a hug? <laughs> they're just absolutely fine with it. They're just sort of like, well, it wouldn't matter unless it was strategic. So the, what they say is there's two things. I've got to win that person round, or I've got to find another senior stakeholder, and then that person doesn't matter. And it's so clinical often, the way men speak about it. You're looking at me like, Sophie, like that's what you would do. But I'm, just, I'm just trying to think that maybe that's what I should do in a, like dating situations. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't like me. I will find a better suitor. Oh, that one doesn't like me either. I will try a new one. Instead of going, he doesn't like me, I'll see if I can change that. Don't, don't tell Tinder you're looking for a senior stakeholder, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. It's only going out with Van Helsing. <laughs> that was quite good. It was a gag. Exactly. It was a gag. That's maybe the first I I've done it. in 15 years. I think I get it. Thanks. Such a sort of weird like, language. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always better when you have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think I, I think I get it. It's just it's just slightly out of my cultural reference. Uh, do you want to hear some of the bossy statistics? Yes. I possibly tell you some bossy statistics? If you could do it in a particularly bossy voice, please. Okay. Um, these were the things that I was referencing earlier in the, when I was talking about Are they about horrifying? Originally, there was a study done that said, oh, men are called bossy a lot more than women um, on the internet. And then somebody thought, that doesn't sound right. And I think it was a man that had done the study. And what had happened was he'd done the algorithm in a way that if someone was called Mike Bossy... Um, it, it showed up and there was apparently a lot of references to a man called Mike Bossy and so he'd done it in a way that he hadn't really taken on board like the man might be in a sentence but he might not be the person they're talking about so when they did it again and they did it much more accurately they discovered that Bossy Girl 419,000 uh, hits for Bossy Girl Bossy Boy 7,000 hits I mean that's significant isn't it Bossy girls, 203,000. Uh, bossy boys, 6,890. Um, now, in total, you, when you get to things like she is extremely bossy, 31,000 versus 5,000, he is super bossy, 1,600. She is super bossy, nearly 7,000. So the combined totals uh, were 1,300,000 odd for men, but for women, well over 2 million references to being bossy why do we think this is but it's a, it's a, isn't it just like an i mean i there are words for this it's a, the way we're raised that's why we come to a podcast because there are words for it. 
I'm still trying to figure out the Van Helsing thing. <laughs> I'm very sorry for derailing everything. He's an action hero, I think. No, I know that, but what about stakeholder? I don't understand. He's holding a stake. He, he, he's the vampire hunter. He's an elderly vampire hunter. <coughs> oh, that really is good. No, I know that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, always better when you have to explain That's it. That's amazing, actually, being a stakeholder. That's actually amazing. But that was That's a pun. Much. Thank you. See, yeah. people are leaving because you did a pun. No! Yeah, <laughs> yeah you better run. <laughs> no, uh, no we we're, not, we're not raised to be leaders, because... Why would they raise us to be leaders? Because then they wouldn't be leaders and then they couldn't... Isn't that the thing? I guess so. It's just when I'm with men and women, I feel generally the men more than the women will interrupt. There are statistics about that too. Will express their opinions forcefully. And yet only 7,000 versus 400,000 instances of men being called bossy. It's a pejorative term. Other terms are used for men. It's for, so I don't know why it's become a pejorative term, but it has. Um, <laughs> do you think we should reclaim it, Carrie? I was thinking about this earlier because I was looking at ban bossy. There, there are people saying, oh, you shouldn't be banning words and it's like the Nazis and it's not. Um, but I do wonder about reclaiming it. But I wonder about reclaiming it rather than using bossy, actually using like a boss. Yeah. And that's what we should reclaim. And any time... As a woman, you get called bossy. Just go, yeah, like a boss. <laughs> and the other way I think we can reclaim it is by calling men bossy. And I think we should start with the Pope. <laughs> because he's the bossiest of them all. And mainly wrong. <laughs> Not this Pope particularly. He's, you know, as Popes go, quite a groovy one, but... Bossy. But just if we, if every time a man was being assertive, we'd go, oh, <laughs> oh, you're being a bit bossy, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> Imagine. Or, or when a man gets angry, accusing him of being emotional. Oh, <laughs> Do we have any questions from the audience? There's one there, really quickly over there. Um, whenever I hear the word bossy, I always think of this moment a few years ago when I was walking down the street and I saw this dad and his young daughter, maybe about ten, and uh, him just turning to her really suddenly, cutting her off and saying, why do you have to be so bloody bossy all the time? And just this look on her face that was a mixture of kind of anger but also her heartbreaking, and I wanted to just take her away from him. <laughs> um, you can't do that. <laughs> That would be way too bossy. <laughs> that would be illegal. But I know the feeling. That, that too. Now, I often, uh, whenever I hear the word bossy, I think about that moment and that little girl's face. And, you know, when you try and relive moments in your head, like, what would I have done differently? And I never know really what to say to that word without being called emotional or, or bossy. Um, so if you had been in my shoes in that moment, what would you have said or done? Oh. Punched his fucking lights out. <laughs> The views of Carrie Quinlan are not the views of the guilty feminist. Please do not punch anyone's lights out and blame us. I, no, I wouldn't. I, um, I would have wanted to have gone, well, you're the one who's bossing her around and shouting. But I probably would have walked past and then had it play on my conscience for the next several years, much like you did, so that I wouldn't seem too bossy. Is there a positive thing we could say to that? Parents often say, you know, they just get, they're fed up and they're just exhausted and they say the wrong thing in public and then people turn on them. So is there a way of helping the parent 
because you you want to make them feel good. Because if you raise their status, then they've got the opportunity to raise the status of the child. You're such an adult. <laughs> I'm not in a pejorative way. No, that's um, that's wow. No, no, but it's not, no, it's well, maybe you can just do yeah, like a boss. <laughs> With all kind of feminism uh, stuff, I think most people will have small kids in their lives, like nieces or nephews or something like that, and correcting someone's parenting is not... You don't want to do that, I've learned. <laughs> I'm really angry. But you will get alone time with the child where you can, you know, not, not to go... Right, okay, listen. <laughs> right. Number one, be a boss. I don't have time to explain. Number two... <laughs> like a boss. But you can, you know... I, I, there's something about just the fact that we're talking about it and, and you know, like the next, next time you talk to someone who is a dad who might not share the same views as, as this entire room... <laughs> mention that because I, what I find with people who do sexist things is that they don't always know that it's sexist it's kind of like a guy I saw once he had nieces and nephews and I just said are you aware of how you speak to them like do you say to her oh you're pretty and do you say to him oh what are you doing do you play football uh, you might want to be aware of what you do and he thought for a bit and he was like oh I do do that oh I need to stop doing that and it was that simple of just going oh that thing you do that you've been raised to do because we're all raised in the patriot patriarchal whatever <sighs> what's the word patriarchy your boyfriend patriarchy <laughs> society <laughs> we need to change those things I, mean, I think and then when you see it in the street you just go oh there's such because your whole Facebook feed will be really nice and lovely people who all know exactly what feminism is and they try and follow it and then you see that there are other people in the world and that can break your heart yeah, yeah. It's it wasn't weak. a punchline. No, 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 no it's a bubble. So sad. It's very Do hard you... not to be heartbroken, like, 30% of the time. Yeah. I find. But, that, but that's a good, you know, there's 70% of the time you're having a lovely time by the sound of that character. No, actually, most of that I'm asleep. Right. <laughs> I'm worrying I'm about worrying other people judging about being judged. At, yeah. Do you how think, close my eyes are. Do you think that having more female leaders, as we've now got a female leader in Britain, a female leader in Germany, and let's fucking hope one yeah. of America, Because if we don't have one in America, we can all stop worrying about everything because we're all dead within six months. Um, he, is, he must be the worst person in the world. But he's he funny. He's, yeah. he's funny. Like, he's... Like, stupid people find him hilarious. Yeah, but he. Do is they, but do yeah, they? Or do they actually think he videos. makes sense? Oh yeah. You see those videos about when he talks about hairspray. Oh yeah. When and he's, he's like, oh, use hairspray, and the whole audience are like, oh my god, that is so funny. <laughs> There's a video where he says, like hairspray. He, he says they say hairspray causes holes in the ozone layer. But, you know, I'm using it in my apartment. How's it going to get out of my sealed apartment? <laughs> and they're like, whoa! Yeah. Yes, you have a Yes. <laughs> Genuinely. That's... So they think he's amazing because they can understand that. How is it going to get out of his apartment? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know that either, but that's not the point. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine someone thinking that their apartment was one from out of which... Nothing could see. Like, <laughs> wow. Maybe we should seal up his apartment <laughs> and see what happens. That's a great idea. Um, so, do you think, in terms of the politics of gender identity, no matter what you think of any of those people's politics, no matter what you think of Theresa May's politics or Hillary Clinton's politics, do you think, just in terms of the politics of gender identity, 
it will make a difference having a number of world leaders talking from, to, from a lady face. From a lady face, yeah. Um, Actually talking from a lady face. Talking from their lady faces to other ladies' faces. Vaginally blessed humans. Yes. <laughs> making world decisions, making international decisions. I think, I think the more there are, the less of note it is, and I think that'll be helpful. Because um, the whole Theresa May thing, when they're going, oh, it's another Thatcher, it's, I mean, it, it is a... Tory woman who's one of the most right wing home secretaries we've had in a long time but that's been the default has been oh Thatcher yeah second second woman second woman but the more women there are then people will lose count (laughs) and won't be able to say that's the nth woman anymore after a while and they'll stop doing that and that will and then women can just be judged on their own merits as leaders and that'll be a massive relief I saw a lovely video uh, on Facebook about Theresa May what she shares with Thatcher and then what she shares with Clinton and what then what she shares with the Dalai Lama and what she shares not much and what she shares with, you know but it's a it, toothbrush yeah but uh, <laughs> Theresa May and the Dalai Lama sharing a toothbrush but it was like yeah she shares lots of stuff with people leaders around the world she shares a birthday with this person she shares an idea with that person she likes leopard skin like the Queen and I thought I can't imagine the Queen liking wow. leopard skin but then they had a picture of the Queen in a leopard skin jacket I think she was much younger and nothing else she, she was clubbing <laughs> the Queen was not jumper and nothing else um it was that was a different website um and it was saying she shares lots of things with lots of people what you're doing is going oh both of those people had breasts Mm. therefore we must look at those parallels because the first thing you notice about somebody is are they female are they male are they black are they white and even though these things we have so much more in common with other people who are perhaps on the same side of the political divide as us or just other people that have a similar upbringing, that's the first thing, the first way in which we're categorised and lumped together. But you might as well say all people called Teresa or all people who are left-handed or all people... So we should do, like, a Teresa May and Brian May. (laughs) Exactly. Let's see what Teresa May and Brian May have got in common. That would be good. Let's make that a little project. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll find all the things Teresa May and Brian May have got in common. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll put them together. Where can we see you perform or, or read your words? Well, Deborah Francis White, that's very kind of you to ask. Um, I don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Am I, I'm in a bit of a career slump. Um, no, I tell you what, I'm do, I, I, she's not. That's just lies. Um, do you I, have a Twitter account. I do have a Twitter account that is mainly me being snarky about customer services. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I'm playing Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing in Sussex next Ooh. month. Oh, that's not a career stump, is that? Oh, that's yeah. Just, that's a... So you can come and see that. And oh, and um, I do a radio show called John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme on Radio Four, and we do um, sort of warm-up nights where we try out material and stuff like that. And there, there are a few of those coming up, and you can find out dates of those on uh, John Finnamore's website. And if you do find out when they are, can you let me know? Because I forget. <laughs> can I just point out that Beatrice, in Much Do About Nothing, is very bossy. She is bossy. But she's the, bo- she's the <gasps> boss. Like her boss! Deborah, <laughs> 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 do you have anything to play? The night I come to see it, I want you to say that. Just drop it in somewhere. Dude, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Deborah, do you have anything to play? I do. 
I have a Radio 4 show. Uh, it's called Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice. Uh, so if you were at home at uh, 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, you're going to be able to hear Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice in September and October. But you can also hear it on Listen Again if you're one of those people that goes out in the day. <laughs> Sophie, have you got anything to plug? I've got a new show called Shima Shatter, which I'll take it on tour around the UK and in Denmark and tiny parts of Europe. Uh, on my website, sophiehagen.com, you can find, figure out if it's anywhere near you. And I'm also on Twitter at Sophie Hagen. And uh, please follow our podcast on social media as well. We're on Instagram, The Guilty Feminist. We are on Twitter at Guilt Fem Part. We're on Facebook at The Guilty Feminist Podcast. And uh, go to iTunes, please, 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 and rate us five stars and give us uh, a little nice comment. <laughs> no. Or as many stars as you like. Five stars. Other numbers of stars are available. <laughs> uh, please give it up for Kara Quinlan. Woo! You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Sammy Hagen, Ladies and gentlemen, our, our next guest is a. Um, oh, I should say, not shouldn't say next because it's going out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight. Not ladies and gentlemen, we stopped saying that as well. Too gender binary. Okay. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.